I love that you say all it takes is one yes, which is really what this episode is about because small businesses really struggle with PR. This episode is really to answer all of the top PR questions that I know I get from small business owners. Hello, listeners, and welcome to season four of SOS with Sonia Rasula. I'm flipping the script this season, and instead of advising business owners, I've gathered a badass group of industry experts to help you thrive. You'll hear from a Forbes editor on how to pitch the press. A finance guru will help you attack all things money. We'll help you future-proof your business by becoming a digital dynamo. My lawyer will teach us all how to stay out of trouble. You'll learn how to write emails that result in instant sales, and we'll have a real talk conversation about reels. So get ready to take notes because this season is all about the experts. Today, I'm sitting down with Forbes senior contributor Kareen Eldor to talk about how to get press. Kareen's work focuses on founders, creatives, and visionaries, and she's ready to answer all of your biggest DIY PR questions. We'll be talking about the nitty-gritty like, can you DM an editor? How many times should I follow up before coming off like a stalker? And how do I know when I'm actually ready to pitch my brand? Plus, she will be sharing examples of the best and worst pitches she's ever received. Her mantra is, it only takes one yes. First, I want to thank our longtime sponsor, Constant Contact, for making this season possible. Constant Contact is a digital marketing platform that helps small businesses and nonprofits of all sizes build, grow, and succeed. With email marketing, contact management, industry-leading list growth tools, social media ads, and more, Constant Contact helps small businesses connect with customers, find new ones, and sell online. All from one easy-to-use platform. To get 30% off your first three months, visit constantcontact.com SOS. That's constantcontact.com SOS. Now, let's dive into the episode. My name is Kareen Eldor. I get some confusion about how to pronounce my name sometimes. So someone told me, just tell people that it rhymes with Serene. So I lead with that now. Yeah. I kind of love it. Very smart. Yes. I'm sure you get the same, Sonia. Yeah. Maybe because of the J. So I'm a senior contributor at Forbes, Forbes Women specifically, and I've been writing for Forbes it's so crazy. It's been already since 2017, which is bananas. So four years now. And I was promoted to a senior contributor in 2018. I write exclusively for Forbes Women currently. And I love it. I love telling brand stories. It's totally my gem. But I especially love to give founders a platform and a voice to share how they got to where they are and also what their secret sauce is and like in building their brand. So I really love doing that. And especially when it comes to, I feel that my specialty in my stories is really storytelling based. It's funny because you have this quote that you say a lot and I think it's so smart and it's also so inspirational. You in many 
you know, in many conversations that you and I have had, whether it's been just personal or whether it was on your podcast, you know, I was a guest on your podcast. I love that you say all it takes is one yes, which is really what this episode is about because small businesses really struggle with PR and I think they're so like scared of it and it's just like the thing that they don't think they'll ever be good at or ever do. And so this episode is really to answer all of the top PR questions that I know I get from small business owners on how to get coverage for their business. You know, if they make products, how can they convince an editor like you to write about those products? So I would first, before diving into those questions, I would love to know if you can share a really great pitch that you got and then a really terrible one to help people understand like the context of like what is good and what is bad. Yes. So, okay. Well, first of all, thank you for the kind words about about it takes one yes. And I will totally dive into the meaning behind that later on and why that's become kind of a mantra or affirmation of mine. So, yes. Okay. First of all, I have to kind of give a lay of the land that to also give listeners perspective that I get a new pitch literally almost every minute right now. So it's like, if you look at my inbox, mm-hmm. it's like boom, boom, boom. Right. So it's definitely about capturing an editor or journalist attention. But having said that, I definitely remember the ones that have stood out in the best way and have stood out in the worst way. So the, one of the best pitches Hmm, should I start with the positive? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's start with positive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I got this pitch three years ago, and I still remember it today, and it still gives me chills in the best way. So Charlotte Cho, she's the founder of Soko Glam, and she was launching her new skincare brand called Then I Met You. And she, I mean, she had a PR team helping her, but what was so compelling about the way that the PR team pitched and then the way Charlotte pitched as well was that the ethos of Then I Met You in the pitch was so crystal clear. The ethos of cultivating connection and how that built into skincare. But what was super compelling about the pitch was A, like I said, the ethos was super clear. And then her publicist was really adamant, I would say, but in the best way possible for me to have a conversation with Charlotte on FaceTime. But this was pre-COVID. Like this has nothing to do with with the pandemic. This is three years ago. Right. And, you know, Charlotte kind of continued the conversation and said she really wants to take just 15 minutes on FaceTime to explain the ethos and the mission of Then I Met You. And honestly, just that face-to-face explanation of the brand and why she created it, that really resonated and struck a chord. And I think, you know, a lot of founders or publicists might say, oh, let's do a desk side or, Mm -hmm. you know, or an event. But editors might, you know, they might not have time to attend. But honestly, just a 15-minute FaceTime That was, I had never, like I said, that's even before COVID. So I know right now there's not such a novel concept, but, you know, when you just say a conversation over FaceTime so I can show you how the product works, Mm -hmm. that made a huge difference. It really, really did. So, I mean, the takeaway there is also to have a compelling pitch that really explains the ethos and the mission. 
Yeah. So yeah, that was, that really stood out. In terms of the, one of the worst pitches I got, and then I'll also just kind of give very quick highlights of some pet peeves, (laughs) but in the worst pitch that I ever got, it had a lot of my pet peeves. The first one is that they misspelled my name. Uh They had, okay, like an E at the end of my name. To me, that is absolutely unacceptable. Yep. (laughs) Can you imagine? It happens to me all the time. You and I both have the same name problem. I know people, you know, are in a rush, but if you don't have that attention to detail and you have one chance to slide into someone's inbox and make an impression, yeah, that's like, it's a no right away. Yeah. So that was the first. So the worst pitch had that. And then also this came from a band's founder and she had included literally like her death was a DIY PowerPoint PDF, mm-hmm. which, you know, that could be great, like to show, you know, to have a visual of a PDF or to have a deck with stats. But uh, it literally looked like her high school students had created it. So if you're going to do, you know, I'm sure we'll dive into this as well, but if you're going to show photography or a PDF, literally, if you can't do it yourself, just hire like a graphic designer yeah. to create that for you. If you want to put your best foot forward, and I love this concept of if you want to look like a global brand or if you want to be a global brand, you have to behave like one. So it's literally kind of like fake it till you make it, right? Yep. You have very elevated aesthetic and you're very, very good with photos and content. You would have cringed when you saw this. (laughs) Like it was really, so that was the next thing. And also... This really irked me in that pitch. She also, it, I mean, it was literally just surface. Like it was, this is my product. It launched and her images were just her kind of holding the product. But it's like, there's no information about price points, where it's sold. Is it D to C only? Is it also at stockist, at other stockists? Is it, why did you create this product? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't even want to say like what, what the brand was, obviously. Right. But anyway, so it had all those components, which she really didn't put her best foot forward. And I almost felt compelled to reply and tell her about, because she had followed up also. Right. <laughs> so I almost felt compelled to say, you know, I really want to give you advice. And I really... You know, I just, I, I wanted to guide her so badly, but I, I wasn't sure if unsolicited advice would be taken well. So, right, right. I know. It's it's anyway. <laughs> it's so hard, but I really, you're communicating a number of different things, right? Like you have to spell the editor's name right at the very least, but this is this person's one chance to connect with someone who writes for Forbes. So it's like, put your best foot forward and... I feel like you have to do it with heart. The thing that you're describing is that there was no soul to the email or the information. It was just information. Whereas like, where's her story or where's the story of why? Mm, Exactly. I love how you say there's no soul and that's exactly it because it it was so surface Mm -hmm. and I want a pitch to, you know, captivate me enough that I want to say, oh my God, tell me more. Like, I need to know more. So when it's just like, I created this, 
because I pivoted during the pandemic. No, that's, like even right. that's not enough. <laughs> like, Everyone pivoted <laughs> during the pandemic. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's exactly that. But I also want to say flirting a bit does help. This is something I stand by just the whole thing about cultivating connections and your network being your net worth Mm -hmm. that really like upping the relations in public relations compliment me. Like, like you said, this is your shot. So, you know, throw a sincere compliment. Like I, you know, loved your piece about so-and-so because I love reading about those kind of brands or yeah, like that piece really moved me. And you know, but really make it authentic. So it's like, if you show that you, you've read my work and that you're a fan of my work, like at least, at least you're speaking a love language and establishing a rapport. That goes a long way. Absolutely. I'm going to go into a bunch of questions here because I get so many of the same questions and we have literally the best expert with us today. So This one is such a big one, and I'm so curious to hear what you think about DMing you. Is DMing an editor? So, aka direct messaging someone on Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is, like, is that okay? So, yes, absolutely, it's okay. Yes. I I mean, I would even say not only is it okay, I would recommend it. But I think, again, it's about knowing how to do it. Mm-hmm. So not coming at the person too aggressively and really doing it in a way like as if you're, you know, you're trying to establish a friendship. So I think connecting with an editor or a journalist on DM saying again, that that specific article like a specific article was awesome, you know, that you have, you have a story you'd love to share as well. I think also with DMs, and this is kind of an insider tip, that I think what I've learned, look, we all have an angle, right? Like so many of us, we want to ask for favors or everyone wants to help everyone and everyone also wants help. But I think the power is in like, really, like I said, establishing the rapport before you come in with an app. Yes. So even just taking the time, like even if it's like, you know, a six month kind of DM friendship with no app, Mm -hmm. but just kind of genuinely, even, you know, someone posted like that they watched, they, they shared a story that they watched Sex in the City, like the reboot, let's say. And then literally just replying and being like, oh, that was so cringe or, you know, like not even making it work related, Mm -hmm. just literally as if you're DMing or chatting with a friend, then when the person does come in, you know, slide into the DM with like, oh, by the way, I'd love to share my founder story or I have a client whose story you would love. Can I share it with you by email? That already, like, I'm already like, you know what? I kind of trust this person and I like their vibe. Sure. Why not? Mm -hmm. That's such good advice. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. And I think we really look at relationship building as part of the job and not only, like I said, when you when you have the ask, even if it's someone's birthday, you know, even just like yes. add the comments, like if someone posted it's their birthday, like 
just share the love and positivity and yeah, it definitely goes a long way. Yeah, I really believe that. I will admit that I follow a lot of editors and writers and it is strategic. You know, I have writers that write for the New York Times or people like you who are at Forbes and I don't know them personally at the beginning, but through following them, let's say for a period of even like a year, I start to understand like who they truly are. If they have a family, where they live, like there are these personal connections that I think are touch points. And I think maybe that's one advantage that I have is that I understand because people approach me all the time. And I notice the people who are commenting on my stories on like a weekly basis. And then, you know, I occasionally check them out like, oh, I've been seeing this person a lot. Or, you know, this person is really supportive of these certain types of stories of mine. They always comment on my reels like, I'm going to check out their small business. And eventually down the road, some of them do an ask. And you're absolutely right. I'm like 100% going to like actually – give them advice, answer their questions, as opposed to someone who just like starts following me the same day as they ask me a question. It's like, no, you have, yeah, you have not been following me. You literally, someone just told you about me and now you're asking me, you know, like, can I pick your brain? And I'm like, well, no, why don't you watch? Why don't you listen to my podcast first? Why don't you watch my YouTube videos? And then ask me a very specific question, not pick my brain. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god yes and it could be so aggro right like because you can even see someone following you yes. and then or they start following you and then they start liking six of your posts yes in one shot yeah and then they slide into your dm yeah oh and no <laughs> yeah it's a no it's i'm like i see you and you know what another thing just in general that the power of instagram and tiktok and, and all of social right now It's like, it's such a great way to read the room or see what the editor or journalist might be up to. Mm -hmm. So if you see also that they haven't posted in a really long time, for example, I don't know, it's just kind of a good way. Or if you see like that they're traveling a lot or they literally post that they're in Paris um, that week, then, you know, you might want to hold off because (laughs) you might see that they're, they're they're on vacation. Exactly. Yeah, it could give you such valuable insight into timing. Yeah, exactly. Um, So then a follow-up to that is, of course, the follow-up, which is if someone does, let's say, DM you or email you and they have not heard back, how many times should they follow up with you? And this is like such a major question. This is probably... In fact, the number one question that we get. Yes. Okay. I'm not surprised because (laughs) I love this question and I hope everyone takes notes of this because sometimes my mind is blown in terms of the art of the follow-up. So the first thing I want to say is kind of segue on the DM slash Instagram part component. One thing that never do this, don't ever do this, don't DM or comment on one of my Instagram posts that you're following up on an email that that you sent. It is so cringe when people do that. And it's like, yeah, it's it's awful. So that that's a no-no. Everyone I've spoken to hates that. <laughs> so definitely. That's the first thing I wanted to say. So like I said, you know, getting so many emails, pitches, and not only emails and pitches, but 
other work-related emails that I might be getting. So, of course, it's normal that an inbox is overflowing and, you know, that I might have missed an email. So, for me, I would never follow up more than twice. So, just to follow up. Yep. So, I would say follow up once, maybe like a week. So, let's say it's a Tuesday. Follow up following week like Tuesday or Wednesday Mm -hmm. so like one week later if it's not a timely request or or pitch and then if you really feel compelled follow up once more again like maybe a week later or maybe maybe if it was like a Monday Tuesday maybe that Friday but I guess it kind of also depends on the relationship you have with the person. Like, if, you know, are you, if it's just a straight up cold pitch. Anyway, but yes, in terms of do not follow up more than twice. And honestly, like, it doesn't even matter how you spin it, like that you're circling back or quickly following up, like rebranding it. It doesn't matter. Right. I think maybe with the last follow up, like the second one, Say, you know, saying something like, I know you're super busy and you get tons of emails. You know, I really, I just wanted to make sure maybe you didn't miss it in your inbox. And, you know, and maybe asking like for the person to, to reply yes or no, like even if they're not interested, whatever. Right. But yeah, two is the max. Caveat to that is there's like a huge update. For your brand, like there was a merger and acquisition, you know, or you have like a really huge new ambassador for the brand, or there was like something super newsworthy to share, then like months later. Right. Not about the same thing again. <laughs> exactly. You know, the thing is, when it comes to follow ups, you know, again, it's very human. We're all trying to catch up and do our best on emails. But at a certain point, like, I mean, I'll get follow-ups like two days later. Yeah. And I have founders that have followed up with me like six times. Like you literally see the string, the thread. And the perception is not good. Like you you never want to, you just want to at a certain point, just let it go yep. and just move on to someone else. Yeah. I think this is such good advice to hear from you because I think that, people panic and they're like, why aren't, you know, like, why aren't they getting back to me? So they check up and then check up and then (laughs) follow through. And it's like, by the time you get that fourth email, honestly, by the time you even get the third follow-up, I'm already like, okay, I already, you know, potentially feel bad that I haven't followed up with you, but there's a reason. I have a set number of things that I have to do every day. I can only respond potentially to things that I have to concentrate on. And this pitch doesn't fit our company at all. The number of times I get pitches for the podcast blows my mind. I'm constantly getting pitches for the podcast. Clearly, the person has never once listened to my podcast because my podcast isn't me talking to female founders. Like this is, you know, they like, they've pigeonholed me into something and they're just cold emailing. And it's like, well, you just did yourself a disservice already. Then they follow up a second time, a third time. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, I'm never going to, you know what I mean? Yes. So like either do your time and research before you email an editor or a podcast or a magazine or whatever it is that you're doing. And once you've done that, 
give your pitch, follow up. And if I personally sometimes think that just one follow-up is enough. It's like if they haven't gotten back to you, they may like what you're doing. It just means that they don't have room for it right now or it it doesn't fit what they're actually writing about. It's not that they don't like you. It's not a personal thing. So just like let go after the follow-ups. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. And you're better, it's a better use of your time to move on past a wider net and move on to other targets. Exactly. Exactly. You can't take it personally. I know so many people listening right now. And I know even I will say Heidi, who is my licensee in Portland, you know, she runs Unique Markets in Portland. Even she, you know, asked me, she was like, I've sent, you know, I've sent the pitch, you know, I've, I followed up twice, like, when does it seem like stalking? And I was like, now, stop following up because it seems like stalking now. And it's hard for someone to hear that. And it's also hard for someone to separate the business. So it's like, don't take it personal. And like you just said, it's way worth your time to like send out more pitches. Mm-hmm. Yes, 100%. It's like you don't want to date someone that's not into you. Exactly. That's exactly it. And um, I will say this. Look, it could be that timing isn't right. So that's why I said maybe, maybe, you know, if six months pass, maybe the timing will be more appropriate. If like, but like I said, like really give it at least six months or, you know, a huge like updates that you have to share, but there's also no point negotiating or forcing someone to write about you. My best stories are things I'm passionate about. If you have to convince me to write about you, the story is not going to be so great. Yep. So it's like, it's like you said with dating, it's like, it's literally the same thing. Like the, the date won't be great if you're like, so thirsty. <laughs> like you just, you can't seem thirsty. Like, it's, yeah, it's not a good look. And you know what? This also, this ties into it taking, that it takes one, yes. That, you know, just because it's not a good fit for one, for one journalist, that doesn't mean it's not, you know, you're going to find the editors and journalists where it will be the right fit. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, so move on, let go. And like you said, like, you need a thick skin for sure, but don't take it personally and just, you know, show up as your best self for, for other people. Yeah, I love it. This is going to be the best quote of the entire podcast. All four seasons is going to be, don't be thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. I have like a few questions that are like, I know burning on like the listener, like they really want to know some of this stuff. And I'm excited to hear your takes on all of this. So one of the things is I tell my listeners over and over again that they need headshots or at least professional photography of themselves. It doesn't have to show their face, but like they need to show that there is someone, a small business owner behind the brand. And I get so much pushback on this because they're like, do I really need photos of myself? I hate being in front of the camera or, you know, often it, which really makes me sad. People will just be like, I don't love what I look like. I don't want to be the face of the brand. And I'm like, but you are the brand. So can you answer the question of like, does a small business owner, do they need photos of themselves? Yes or no? Hell yes. <laughs> yes. I will absolutely in bold 
like what you just said, but in bold and exclamation marks. Yep. Yes. Even just find a local photographer in your area that you trust, like who you feel that you know you would be comfortable with if you're a bit more camera shy, especially. And even if you get like one, just one, or even two good headshots, it's absolutely imperative. Mm -hmm. First of all, for your LinkedIn, for the about us, like you said, on your website, even for your email, (laughs) you know, like the little headshot on your email. So 100%, I will, you know, when someone sends me a pitch, if I'm interested and I want to learn more, I absolutely will go to the website. If the website looks like rinky dinky and you know there's no it's not telling me much and it looks kind of not professional or not professionally done yep well actually first of all i just want to say in terms of a headshot that's not necessarily imperative for the about us like if your brand is something where you don't necessarily need to show your headshot i you know i don't think it's necessarily important for the about us But I think just to look professional for your LinkedIn. And then also, if let's say, let's say it's a yes, and I write your founder story, and I write about your brand. The first question I ask when I'm about to publish the story is for the founder's headshot. You will not believe, like, I mean, huge companies where the headshots are like iPhone photos. And I'm like, I'm back and forth with the... PR agency or with the founders saying, no, 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 like I need a professional headshot. Yeah. But you're not doing your brand justice. If you're in Forbes or any magazine and your your photo isn't up to par or doesn't look professional. It's just there's literally no point in having the story done in a way. Yeah. So anyway, so yes, very important. And also you want your website to look at the best. And like you said, you always want to put your best foot forward. You have one shot with an editor, but you also have one shot. You might only have one shot with the audience. So, you know, if a Ford story goes up or in any publication and you're linking to your website and the website, like, isn't professional, then you're not shooting your best shot. Mm-hmm. Like, I would even go so far as to say you should only be pitching and be hoping for a story when you look your best. Yep. Otherwise, you're not putting your best foot forward. Yeah. You're shooting yourself in the foot. I say this all the time. People are like, I don't understand why I'm not getting press. And it's like, okay. And, you know, sometimes I'll say, like, send me what you sent them. And it often sometimes is actually a good pitch. And I'm like, okay, this is actually, this could be intriguing to an editor. Like, you know, you have good stats. You talk about why you started the company. And then I go to their website and I'm like, oh, my Lord. I know exactly why they did not follow up with you or write about you because you pitched yourself really well, but the website is very old-fashioned looking and there's no soul. And it's what we talked about earlier. Where are you? There's product photography, whatever, but where are you within this? You're a small business owner. You're not a corporation. Why are you trying to pretend like you're a corporation, right? So yes, you reach out to an editor or a writer, or a journalist, when you think that your website and your Instagram, your social media accounts, are ready to have eyes on them. Because if 
If you write about someone, and I know this, if you write about me on Forbes, I'm going to get a huge uptick of people visiting uniquemarkets.com. And if that homepage isn't enticing, that's a lost opportunity. So I love that you pointed that out. Another question I have is, this one is a little more old-fashioned, but with the huge importance on influencer culture, I feel like the whole idea of gifting and sending products like that question has come back around now. So a lot of the listeners want to know, you know, should they be sending boxes of products to editors? What do you do there? Do you cold send a box of products? Do you have to send products? (laughs) Okay, that's a really good question. So I'm not sure about other publications. I know in when it comes to Forbes, we are actually not allowed to receive products. Right, because it, okay. Interesting. Love it. So I definitely wouldn't cold send a product because it's just a waste. (laughs) And an editor could not get offended, but you never know how they'll take it. So that's the first thing in terms of editorial integrity. Yeah. But I would definitely, I mean, here's kind of like a little hack. I would definitely in your pitch mention that you would love for the writer to experience the product themselves. And for them, for the writer to let they choose maybe from a collection of whatever and what's the best mailing address. Yeah. So I would definitely offer it. And also when you ask that kind of question with like kind of a call to action, you're also upping the chance of a response. Mm-hmm. So I think, yes, so definitely offer it up. And like I said, if it resonates, then like the writer or influencer to your point, especially an influencer might say, yes, yes, I would love that. And then you're, yeah, you're more likely to get a reply from them. And then you might not need to follow up. I love that. Mm. And I think especially with influencers, like you said, it's such a different media and influencers and editorial. They're all, it's all one hybrid right now. So yeah, it's almost like editors or writers are now even looking to see if there's influencer buzz around the product. And influencers are looking to see if there's editorial buzz. So I don't know what comes first, but maybe, you know, try to target both at the same time. Or, you know, if you have a product that could be boosted with influencers, like if you have a product that, you know, influencers can showcase, I would definitely invest in like some kind of influencer campaign and gift a bunch of influencers. And then a writer like me might say, oh, yeah, like I saw that blogger, that influencer I follow posted that on TikTok. Like between TikTok and Reels, it's such a great way to just create buzz. And then by the time it gets to an editor, they're like, oh, yeah, I saw that. So I think with influencer outreach, there's an opportunity to create a moment on social. So by the time it gets to the editorial pitching, that could help. Amazing. Okay. And then I have one last quick question for you. And then I want you to quickly tell us where everyone can find you. So my last question, when it comes to a pitch email, how long should that email be? I know when I get examples that people send me, there's so many paragraphs. I'm like, oh my Lord, this is supposed to entice someone enough to be intrigued to go to your website. So what's your best advice for people sending cold pitch emails? Like how short is that email? Okay. So definitely no longer than 
three paragraphs. Like I would keep it short and sweet and to the point, two to three paragraphs at the most. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also about almost what I said about romancing and flirting. It's like show a bit, reveal a bit, but entice me enough that I my reaction is like, hmm, tell me more. So it's almost like don't give it all the way up front. Yeah. <laughs> Better to be short and almost like inviting me to learn more than giving it all in the email. Yes. Ugh. Such good advice. Why does everyone give everything away? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then actually one last question that goes along with that, which is what about subject lines? Yeah, that's tough. Okay, so subject lines, I definitely would never underestimate the power of the subject line. I would, if it's timely, if it's timely slash newsworthy, definitely write timely. You know, maybe if there's an interesting that like a growth metric mm-hmm. or kind of like I said almost like a hook or a metric or something that will catch my eye put the hook uh, at least part of the hook in the subject line and be very clear I find the most popular one I get right now and I'm kind of sick of this I would stay away from this it's all like how this founder pivoted during the pandemic <laughs> Don't give me the angle in the subject line. I would literally write something like urgent, timely. Yeah. The last thing I want to talk about is for once, we're flipping the script and you have something to talk about and get out into the universe. So I know that you have a new book coming out and I would love for people to know what the book is called, how they can get it, and then also how do they find you? Ah, okay. I'm like screaming with excitement right now. <laughs> so thank you so much. Okay, so so it's dropping, I would say, early spring. So Feb slash early spring 2022. So yep. any minute. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, basically based on this, because someone told me to write about the question I get asked the most. And that's also the question I get asked the most is how to get press. Mm -hmm. So it's an ebook. It's called, it takes one. Yes. How to get press. It features a lot of these takeaways that I just shared, but it also focuses on branding because I think as we mentioned, if you don't have your branding on point, you shouldn't even be pitching. Mm-hmm. So there's branding tips as well. And it's advice for myself, plus about 10 other esteemed experts in different realms, like other journalists and founders and other podcast hosts and all PR agency founders. But especially, I definitely wanted to share advice from like founders themselves who have done their own PR. I felt that was super important. So the best way to get the update about the book is to follow me on Instagram at always Kareen, at always K-A-R-I-N. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Yep. And, you know, I wanted to share just that the whole concept of it takes one yes. Once you have one yes, it's literally the momentum you need to just keep going. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just keep swimming <laughs> or keep going. And when you think of it as like that one goal, it leads to so many other breakthroughs and milestones. Amazing. Yay. 
Today's top takeaways are, number one, before you even try to pitch an editor, make sure your business is ready. Editors get bombarded with pitches all day, every day. So you need to make sure that your business stands out with a professional and captivating website, and yes, a founder headshot. Number two, email subject lines matter. At this stage in the game, founder pivots during COVID does not count as an eye-catching subject line. Words do matter. Number three, diversify your PR strategy. With the rise of the influencer, it's in your best interest to pitch both traditional editors and digital influencers who in many respects are the new, new media. Don't miss out on a great opportunity because you don't think a YouTuber is so-called media. And number four, bear your brand's soul. Don't just share what your products are or the price of your services. You really need to show the soul of the company and who you are. What is your personal story? Create an emotional connection with who you're pitching, and I guarantee you're one step closer. If SOS has helped your business, I would love to hear from you. The best thing that you can do to help spread the word about this podcast is give us a five Once again, that's five star rating. And remember to leave a review. Honestly, that's probably the best way that more people will discover this great podcast. Follow me on Instagram at Sonia Rasula. That's S-O-N-J-A-R-A-S-U-L-A. And you can follow my business at Unique Markets. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe. And if you're listening to us on Spotify, make sure to follow. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening.